0: The products discussed in this podcast are only available in the United States.
1: Thank you, and thanks everyone for joining us this afternoon. My name is Anna Riley, and with me is David Harrow, Portfolio Manager for the Oakmark International Fund and the Oakmark International Small Cap Fund. Like in past calls, our format is to have David make introductory comments after which we will open the line up for your questions. Before David begins, I want to remind everyone that manager commentaries and portfolio holdings have been updated for the fourth quarter and are available on our website, oakmark.com. And now, let me turn it over to you, David.
0: Thank you, everyone, and and happy 2023 to all of you. Uh, Certainly, 2022 hasn't been the easiest year in the financial markets. I think you've seen all the various year-end summary stories that describe almost a very strong correlation of very little going up and a lot going down. For the fourth quarter of 2022, however, we had a very strong quarter in both our strategies. Um, International was up um, almost, for, uh, for the quarter, was up nearly 23%, and small cap, international small cap, was up even more at almost 28%. More importantly, for the year, International Small Cap, though with negative, strongly outperformed the index, which did 20 point, just over 20% negative, and International Small Cap did just over 14% negative. Unfortunately, International Fund, despite the very strong quarter, was not able to pass the index for the year and underperformed by little over a percent, underperform a little over a percent. Despite the very strong performance of both strategies in the fourth quarter, and which has continued into 2023, incidentally, as you've all seen, unfortunately, we still were not able to surpass the index for international or be positive. We want to deliver positive results. Uh, and we understand that during short periods of time, like a year, sometimes it just doesn't happen. So. Strong, strong end, but on an absolute basis, both funds were still negative, at least on a relative basis. International, small, strongly outperformed its index. The other thing I will say before opening up to questions is that, as mentioned before, the importance of entry point and investing in assets that are undervalued. Uh, This was very, very evidence at the end of the third quarter where we saw extreme valuations. However, giving the at the end-of-the-year valuations, we still see an opportunity to buy quality at low prices. For instance, the International Fund on a projected P.E. trades at just over nine times earnings and has a return on equity of almost 15 percent. The international small cap stock on projected price to earnings is slightly under nine And it's a projected ROE of over 17%. And if you look at that combination of low price and high quality, it indicates attractiveness of entry point. So the funds not only are attractively priced versus their respective asset classes, but the asset class, international equities, which by the way, finally outperformed US equities in 2022, still remains at valuations and the valuation spread between international and non-international remains almost as big as it's ever been. So especially at a point in time when the dollar is still strong, which means at some point you, you might come into a period of dollar weakness, which would be very good for the performance of international assets. And with any kind of reasonable earnings, I think investing in this asset class, which has been ignored, and as uh, Mike Nuria would say, there's fatigue out there. I think now is exactly the wrong time to be fatigued on this as an asset class when you're able to buy such undervalued businesses using undervalued currencies. And again, finally, for the first time in a while, you see that at least in 2022, international outperformed domestic, and I think, given where valuations are today, the relationship between the two, I have always argued that U.S. should probably trade at valuation premiums to non-U.S. But the premium, the S&P trades at what 16, 17 times, and this portfolio trades at nine times, a little over nine times, um, makes it very, very attractive. So, this is where we're at today. Um, we're feeling very good about the portfolio. We're feeling very good about the prospects. And from here on, we will open it up to Q&A.
2: Hi David, happy new year.
0: Hello Mark, and to you.
2: Um I guess uh what do you I guess I had a series of questions. What what do you attribute the recent gains to? both year-to-date as well as the fourth quarter?
0: Very hard to predict or understand what happens in the short term, but I will say this. Consistent message I've given throughout my career, when you see such a wide dispersion between price and value, dispersion that has been caused by macro factors that have not been replicated By what was happening within the businesses themselves it doesn't take much for a strong snapback and we still see our portfolios trading at below 50 cents on the dollar and again this this notion of entry point the price you're buying a collection or a portfolio of assets at is so important and i think the recent strength of the last three or four months is due to the extremely combination of oversold conditions, and when you add to this, acceptable business performance. In most cases, in most cases within our portfolio, probably greater than three-quarters of them, the companies performed better than we expected in 2022. So when, if you were to look at the early 22 and we had earnings projections, in most cases, they traded at or above our expectations. There were very, very few profit warnings or profit declines within the portfolio, despite the scary macro headlines. And this, of course, is the opportunity. When price goes down and value creation goes up, what is created is a value gap. And we, as long-term investors, um, are here to exploit it because we're not trying to look like the market over a week, a quarter, a half a year, a year. Our objective is to win over 3, 5, 15, 20, 30-plus years. And you do this by taking advantage of the market short-termism and remaining disciplined in how you analyze and price businesses and how you utilize them in portfolios.
2: Um, can I ask another question? Yes, sir. Um, how how has outflows kind of impacted your, um, not so much your performance, but when you have gone through a period like, you have, and as well as international, any foreign value. I think, or for the most part, has struggled here in the last five, ten years. How do you deal with those outflows? I don't think you. Ca- I don't think you keep a tremendous amount of cash on the on the books. How do you deal with those, and what impact, if any, is that having on um, your portfolio management?
0: We typically keep three to five percent cash if we do have any large, unexpected outflows. Thankfully, despite the fact that we have had outflows in 2022, they've come in very small, manageable, steady, small but steady um, pace. And when it happens this way, Similar to an inflow, it's very manageable because if it's an outflow, what you do is if you need to raise cash, you trim positions in the portfolio that have the smallest amount of upsides, all else equal. Same thing with an inflow. If you get an inflow, what how you handle an inflow is you try to bolster those companies which all else equal have the greatest upside. So there is a process in portfolio management which what I would call keeps the portfolio forward-looking. That is, we want those companies which have the highest upside, we want those companies to maintain their weights within the portfolio. So that's how we handle it. And the beauty is, when you're managing a portfolio of, of companies that are listed all over the world, you always have some that are getting close to their targets, some that are far away from their targets, and it enables you to have this flexibility to manage flows,
2: whether they're in or out. One other question, if I may. Could you just talk about maybe one or two names that you have bought? It looks like there was something called DSV that was a new position, or maybe that it was a new position that you had built, but maybe a couple things you bought and um, that you can disclose and talk about your theme on those stocks. Yeah, I mean, just
0: for the DSV, um, Not a new company to us, but new to this fund, it is. Mike, are you on? Yeah, I'm here, David. Do you want to give a little bit about DSV?
3: Yeah, so so DSV is a a freight forwarder. Uh, So you, you think of a freight forwarder as being a travel agent for freight. You know, they arrange, they don't own ships, they don't own planes, but they contract with, you know, steamship lines and airlines and cargo Airlines to move around freight, so it's it, it, in our opinion, it's a really high-quality business, and that it's very asset-light, has very high rates of cash uh, cash conversion, and we've owned this business, interestingly enough, in our small-cap strategy for over a decade, and it, it, it's arguably one of the best-managed companies that we could find globally. Uh, very efficient operators, and they've added a huge amount of value via MA over the years, and. We actually sold the, the position out of small cap early on post-COVID when shipping rates went through the roof. The freight forwarders' margins expanded to abnormally high levels as everybody was just scrambling to find capacity. So it was a company that was over-earning a little bit during that period of time. The share price reacted very favorably to that, hit our estimate of intrinsic value, and we sold out of it. And you know, as we've gone through 21 and into 22 freight rates have started to normalize and the valuation came down and it got to the point here where you know, it reached a valuation level where we were able to add it back to the portfolio and this time we brought in large cap i think we initially established this position it was in small cap 10 plus years ago it's a two billion dollar company uh it's obviously considerably larger today and you know we, we think it's a really good uh, investment opportunity and in that again we, we think the freight markets will be favorable going forward and these guys have added a ton of value via M&A, and they still operate in a very, very uh, fragmented end market. I mean, they're the third largest forwarder globally. The top three players still control less than 10% of the marketplace. So very good long-term growth opportunities, both organically and inorganic as well. So just a really high-quality company. It checks the box of business model and management and valuations at a more reasonable level now. Okay. Hi, Jack.
0: Hi, David. Uh, I have a question. You know, I think on a prior call that you had, it might have been the third quarter, you were talking about European stocks, and I believe it was you where, at least on the ground, it seems like Europe isn't struggling as as badly as a lot of economists or strategists thought because of the Ukraine situation. Looks like spending has stayed relatively stable there. Do you, do you still see that in that region? I mean, is that is that where mo- most of the undervaluation is? If we look at valuation today, and you could see by looking at our top weights and our geographic breakout, um, you know, these are all, these big numbers, these weights of geography are a function of where we do find value. Sure. And clearly this is where we're finding it today, and I, especially in the European financials where we're able to buy companies that, you know, 60% of book that um, are growing their earnings and growing capital generation, yielding almost 9 or 10%. And I think it certainly has been a surprise. When the war came and it caused that spike in energy prices, I think yeah. the combination of those two things, um, people believe that we would probably see Europe going to contraction by the end of the year. And so far, the European economy is still growing. And just the recent data is showing now little pickups in industrial production and, and in spending so they have managed both these crisis they're being helped by remember the problem with europe and energy was gas gas in particular because yes. you know oil is a fungible product it travels all over the world gas comes via pipeline and it came uh, in some countries in europe or you know, 35 40 45 percent dependent on russian gas and what germany in particular uh, and other European countries have been able to do, helped by a warmer winter, is, is substitute Russian gas, which one would have thought was unheard of. The great mm-hmm. story in the Wall Street Journal, how they built a, a terminal, uh, LNG terminal, to receive LNG in, what, like seven or eight months they built it. Uh, something would have, That would have taken two years. So at least in the short term, there are some medium-term issues with energy in Europe. But some of these extreme fears never happened. And now one may be cautiously optimistic because, of course, Europe was hurt last year because of the China slowdowns. The Europeans are big exporters into China. As you know, China had the slowdowns as a result of COVID, shutdown. COVID right And now China's abandoned their zero-COVID policy and is reopening, and that should also help the European economy. So cautiously optimistic this year on the European economy. And meanwhile, the prices have reacted a little tiny bit, Yeah. Um, but they still, I mean, at 11 times earnings, the European market trades at, or probably a little less than that, still trades at, in my view, too big of a discount to other areas. Thank you. You're welcome. You Um, have the floor, Arthur. Okay. Uh, could you just talk a little bit about the automobile, the European automobile companies? I mean, you, I think you have Daimler and uh, is it BMW? Yeah, Mercedes and BMW. Mercedes. Um, do Do you have? How do you How do you pull that apart? I mean, Volkswagen is doing all this stuff with Porsche, and I just wondered your thoughts on, in general, the auto,
2: the auto business there in Europe.
0: Yeah, these two producers have actually have been doing extremely well especially since, oddly enough, uh, counterintuitive, especially since the pandemic. Because what has happened is, as a result of the supply shortages of some of these components, they've been able to manage their costs and manage margins by, with the limited supply available, say of chipsets and other components, they've put these in their higher margin cars. And the meanwhile, um, demand has exceeded supply. So this is helped pricing. And they've been able to cut SG&A costs, incentives, and this type of thing. So even though, like last 2022, I believe BMW's volumes were down about four or five percent, they're still going to do nine or ten percent operating margins. And more importantly, more importantly, the cash flow generation has just been unbelievable. When the pandemic started, we expected Mercedes to go from 10 billion of net cash on their balance sheet seven or eight we thought as a result of the slowdown of the pandemic they would have to burn cash today they're probably somewhere of net cash on their balance sheet between 20 and 25 billion and bmw has over 30 billion so the pandemic in in a sad way has been has been good to these premium automakers now you have to put these things into classification. Uh, they're global businesses. They produce all over the world. The North America and China are important markets. Um, as you know, the biggest auto plant in the United States, or one of the biggest, is the BMW plant in South Carolina. produces over half a million SUVs, which they export all over the world. So they're diversified businesses. They make good margins. They generate a ton of cash, and now they're starting to give it back to us. And they trade up like two or three times cash flow Yeah, with 10-plus okay. percent free cash flow yields. Do, do, you, do you see the uh, Porsche family figuring out how to unwind the uh, the holdings in Volkswagen? Well, there's a huge governance issue over there. <laughs> As you know, Porsche yeah. was floated. Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> Porsche was floated, and the CEO of Porsche, by the way, holds two seats. He holds the CEO of Volkswagen and the CEO of Porsche. Uh-huh. And supposedly, Porsche was floated the get more independence from Volkswagen. Well, how is this going to, I mean, there's just so many question marks. You have a business enterprise that is controlled by basically two or three parties, a family group, the Piech family, the state of Lower Saxony in Germany, and IG Metall labor union. So where are we? Where are the owners of the business, the shareholders, the the non-family shareholders? (laughs) They don't care so much about us. So... You know, G in governance is an important thing for us. We need alignment between all the shareholders and management and the board, and we don't feel that exists in the, within the Volkswagen group. As cheap as a yep. of paper. Yeah. Stay tuned, eh? Stay tuned. Okay. Thank you. Okay, Arthur. Well, again, I would like to thank everyone for their patience over a challenging year in 2022. We are all very confident in in 23, given the the levels that these portfolios are trading at. Well, I will also add that all the portfolio managers on these strategies, international, international, small, global, global select, have been adding quite a bit uh, during that period of weakness. And uh, I think the number is somewhere around $600, $700 million. Employees of Harris Associates have invested in these funds. So we're with you. We're confident. And we thank you for your patience and continued support.
1: Important information. Average annualized total returns for Oakmark International Fund investor shares as of December 31, 2022, 3-month, 22.96, year-to-date, minus 15.65, 1-year, minus 15.65, 3-years, minus 1.18, 5-years, minus 1.70, 10-year, 4.22, average annualized total returns for MSCI World X USA Index, net, as of December 31, 2022, 3-month, 16.18, year-to-date, minus 14.29, 1-year, minus 14.29, 3-years, 1.27, 5-years, 1.79, 10-year. 4.59. 4.59 average annualized total returns for oakmark international small cap fund investor shares as of december 31st 2022 three month 27.82 year to date minus 14.46 one year minus 14.46 three years 2.28 five years 1.48 10 year 5.53 average annualized total returns for MSCI world x usa small cap index net as of december 31st 2022 three month 15.21 year to date minus 20.58 one year minus 20.58 three years minus 0.15 five years 0.4 5, 10-year, 5.77. Performance data listed represents past performance and is no guarantee of, and not necessarily indicative of, future results. Total return and value will vary, and you may have a gain or loss when shares are sold. Current performance may be lower or higher than quoted. For most recent month-end performance, visit iam.natixis.com Performance for other share classes will be greater or less based on differences in fees and sales charges. Performance for periods less than one year is cumulative, not annualized. Returns reflect changes in share price and reinvestment of dividends and capital gains. If any, the views and opinions expressed may change based on market and other conditions. This material is provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as investment advice, there can be no assurance that developments will transpire as forecasted. Actual results may vary. The index information contained herein is derived from third parties and is provided on an as-is basis. The user of this information assumes the entire risk of use of this information. Each of the third-party entities involved in compiling, computing or creating index information disclaims all warranties, including, without limitation, any warranties of originality, accuracy, completeness, timeliness, non-infringement, mercantability and fitness for a particular purpose. With respect to such information, definitions of terms used in this material, MSCI World X USA Index is an unmanaged index that is designed to measure the equity market performance of Developed markets, excluding the United States. MSCI World Index. Net is an unmanaged index that is designed to measure the equity market performance of developed markets. It is comprised of common stocks of companies representative of the market structure of developed market countries in North America, Europe, and the Asia-Pacific region. The index is calculated without dividends, with net or with gross dividends reinvested, in both U.S. dollars and local currencies. EBIT refers to earnings before interest and taxes and is a measure of the firm's profit that includes all incomes and expenses. Operating and non-operating except interest expenses and income tax expenses. Enterprise Value. EV is a measure of a company's total value. Enterprise Value is a popular metric used to value a company for a potential takeover, that, value added tax, is a consumption tax placed on a product whenever value is added at each stage of the supply chain, from production to the point of sale, the amount of that that the user pays is on the cost of the product, less any of the costs of materials used in the product that have already been taxed, a commodity is a basic good used in commerce that is interchangeable with other goods of the same type, commodities are most often used as inputs in the production of other goods or services, American Depository Receipt, ADR, is a negotiable certificate issued by a US depository bank representing a specified number of shares, often one share, of a foreign company's stock, gross domestic product, GDP, is the total monetary or market value of all the finished goods and services produced within a country's borders in a specific time period. IP or intellectual property benchmarking is used to assess and evaluate an organization's position by comparing their intangible assets with those of competitors. Manufacturer's Suggested Retail Price, MSRP, is the price that a product's manufacturer recommends it be sold for a point of sale. Return on Equity, ROE, is the measure of a company's net income divided by its shareholders' equity. ROE is a gauge of a corporation's profitability and how efficiently it generates those profits. ECB is an acronym for the European Central Bank. Top 10 Holdings for the Oakmark International Fund as of December 31, 2022. BNP Paribas, 3.4% of Portfolio. Intesa San Paolo, 3.3% of Portfolio, Mercedes-Benz Group, 3.1% of Portfolio, Lloyds Banking Group, 3.1% of Portfolio, BMW, 2.7% of Portfolio, Alliance, 2.7% of Portfolio, Process, 2.7% of Portfolio, Continental, 2.7% of Portfolio, Fresenius, 2.5% of Portfolio, Adidas, 2.4% of Portfolio, Top 10 Holdings for the Oakmark International Small Cap Fund as of December 31, 2022, Conocranes, 3.7% of Portfolio, Azimut Holding, 3.6% of Portfolio, Julius Bayer Group, 3.3% of portfolio, software AG, 3.1% of portfolio, Travis Perkins, 3.0% of portfolio, Fluidra, 2.9% of portfolio, DUR, 2.9% of portfolio, Addy, 2.7% of portfolio, Plus Services, 2.6% of portfolio, DS Smith, 2.5% of portfolio. Portfolio holdings are subject to change without notice and are not intended as recommendations of individual stocks. The gross expense ratio for Oakmark International Fund Class I shares is 1.07% and the net expense ratio is 1.05%. As of the most recent prospectus, the investment advisor has contractually agreed to waive fees and or reimburse expenses. With certain exceptions, once the expense cap of the fund has been exceeded, this arrangement is set to expire on January 27, 2023. When an expense cap has not been exceeded, the gross and net expense ratios may be the same. The gross expense ratio for Oldmark International Small Cap Fund Class I shares is 1.37% and the net expense ratio is 1.35%. As of the most recent prospectus, the investment advisor has contractually agreed to waive fees and or reimburse expenses, with certain exceptions. Once the expense cap of the fund has been exceeded, this arrangement is set to expire on January 27, 2023. When an expense cap has not been exceeded, the gross and net expense ratios may be the same. The portfolio is actively managed and characteristics holdings or sectors are subject to change references to specific securities or industries should not be considered a recommendation for current characteristics holdings or sectors. Please visit our website. All investing involves risk, including risk of loss fund risks. Oakmark International Fund and International Small Cap Fund risks. Equity securities are volatile and can decline significantly in response to broad market and economic conditions. Value investing carries the risk that a security can continue to be undervalued by the market for long periods of time. Foreign and emerging market securities may be subject to greater political, economic, environmental, credit, currency and information risks. Foreign security Securities may be subject to higher volatility than U.S. securities, due to varying degrees of regulation and limited liquidity. These risks are magnified in emerging markets. Currency exchange rates between the U.S. dollar and foreign currencies may cause the value of the fund's investments to decline. Concentrated investments in a particular region, sector, or industry may be more vulnerable to adverse changes in that industry or the market as a whole. Additional risk for Oakmark International Small Cap Fund. Smaller company investments can be more volatile than those of larger companies. Before investing in any Oakmark fund, you should carefully consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, management fees and other expenses. This and other important information is contained in a fund's prospectus and summary Please read the prospectus and summary prospectus carefully before investing. For more information, please call 1-800-Oakmark, 625-6275. This material is provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as investment advice. There can be no assurance that developments will transpire as forecasted. Actual results may vary. The views and opinions expressed are as of January 10, 2023 and may change based on market and other conditions. Natixis Distribution, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC, is a marketing agent for the Oakmark funds, a limited-purpose broker-dealer and the distributor of various registered investment companies for which advisory services are provided by affiliates of Natixis Invest Managers, add tracks 1482391281. Expiration date April 30, 2023. POD 62, December 2022.